Hello and welcome to Burkamp Wonderland. We are still officially an Arsenal podcast and hopefully this time YouTube won't let us down and it might start working. So in the chat, people, if you're there, let me know if the YouTube is working. I've actually put some effort into this one. I've made I've made notes. I've made introductions. So here we go. My first guest is Sophie from the Highbury Squad, where Sophie spends about 10 hours a week, every week, winding up Big Kev Campbell. And when the poor bloke bites back, she gives him a yellow card for his troubles. <laughs> I'm perfect. Be careful, boys, because I do have my book here with me tonight. Yellows and reds at the ready. Super you... Kevin Campbell is a legend, but not immune to a card. That's it. You see fit tonight, so if you hand that, you dish those out like uh, who was a really sh- like like Keith Ellery in an Arsenal Manchester Dar <laughs> game in the nineteen nineties. You go crazy, right? Excellent. Keith. My second guest is Harry from A Chronicles of Aguna, and along with Sophie and Tom, this is an actual fact, people, is the hardest working Arsenal podcasters in the Arsenal universe. That is a fact, isn't it? Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, you three, between you, do so many. I can barely be bothered to do a couple of shows a week. You do, you comment like you're leaving us after about forty five minutes because you've got to go and do commentary, and then you've got a couple of young kids, and then you're doing writing, and then you're doing your chronicle stuff. How many hours sleep roughly do you get a week? Three, four? Yeah, with with two kids at the, at the age that mine are at, something like that. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> Excellent. Anyway, thanks it's for those joining Greek us. Jeans. It's those Greek jeans. It's those Greek jeans. This uh, could have been called the Arsenal Greek Podcast because three of us are Greek. I'm 16 percent, and I'm I'm claiming that just for tonight. <laughs> that's, that's good. I could have called oh, it yeah. that, but after one of the recent podcasts, we called it a tangerine and a lump of coal. And you don't call Arsenal podcast nonsense like that because no one knows what you're talking about. So, um, right, my, my third guest is the Bristolian, who is actually the chef from the Muppets is based on. Not a lot of people know that, but that is an actual fact, isn't it, James? <laughs> it is. Very, very <laughs> true. Shut up, you. Even looks like you. And also, a- another related fact, never has a child look more like his dad than you and your little man. That is, every time I see the pair of you, it warms the cockles of my cold, dead heart. Uh, funnily enough, about three people commented on the same thing today when I was at my Christmas party at work. That yeah. He's a spit of me. Yeah. Which, you know. Mrs. is furious. <laughs> <laughs> probably, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> right. And finally, the man who is, I couldn't believe this until I checked it out today, who is unbelievably making his ABW debut, even though ABW and Goonosphere have the same basic podcasting DNA. It's the job man, the writer of books, the eater of hamwiches, and a friend to the stars, and a copywriter of of some renown. So, if anybody needs anything copywriting, Jock man, yes. he is your man. You right, Jock? Hello, thank you for that wonderful introduction. No pressure. I'm, I'm surprised too. I, I've been invited to this podcast so many times, and I'm like, oh yeah, I keep flaking out because I've got the same problem as Harry. Two very young kids. Well, that's not a problem. It's not a problem. I've put no a very problem. negative overture. <laughs> Kids, problem. No, I don't mean it like that. You're sounding like one of those. I've got the same affliction. Like one of those Scooby Doo films. You're going, damn kids. <laughs> what have you done to my life? <laughs> Pesky yeah. kids. That's the one. But I am now, you know, yeah, I'm making my uh, debut. Hopefully, yes, it's as good that- as Patino's from yesterday. How long have you been in the ABW WhatsApp group? About a year, and you, this is the first time you've made the show. I'm that one guy. You know that one person who never comments and just pops up and just watches what everyone else to says. To get to get Jock on, you have to have the universe align perfectly. 
And it's this one time in which it's happened. Yeah. I've even it's had... my mom's birthday today. They're all downstairs singing. <laughs> I'm not upstairs doing a podcast. Oh, no. That's, that's terrible. We nearly had a trifecta of Daniel Cowan on here, but he was. He said maybe next time. He's a little bit busy. I think he's just... Did he say he's moved? Or he's on the he run has, for murder? Yeah. It was one uh, or the other. Yeah, both. <laughs> yeah. He Excellent. moved on account of being on the run from murder. It's just one of those things he had to do. It was a good thing to move rather than stay still because they will get you. Well, Chris Carpenter's got away with it for the last 26 years. <laughs> he's he's mur- murdering fashion when them goddamn trousers he wears. Those trousers they look like a deck chair. He, he's, a, he's a fashion trendsetter. Just so far, the trend hasn't taken off. <laughs> uh, right, let's um, let's get into the podcast. So we've actually made some notes. We start off with Harry. Um, the Leeds game. Uh, the media claiming, this is the point I didn't realise, the media are claiming that they had to play their kids, yet they had one teenager, and they're starting at average age of their starting 11 was 27, and ours was 24. So what do you think to the game, and what do you think to them bleating on about the fact that, uh, oh, we're all playing 12-year-olds, that's why you beat us? <laughs> yeah, I thought they, I thought it was a really good performance from Arsenal, um, and it was a, a needed away win, wasn't it? Because there have been question marks about our form on the road, Leeds normally is quite a difficult place to go to. Uh, there was ob- obviously lots of speculation around whether or not the game was going to go ahead. And, you know, it, it it's unsettling. You know, we know that Arsenal had a couple of COVID cases going into that game as well. And we know that Arsenal didn't train as much as they'd have liked in the lead up to the game off the back of all those issues. So to go there and get the points was massive. To go there and get the points when so many other teams in the division were not even playing was also key because... It's one of those situations where if you get the points on the board, it's great. But if you don't, then you've played that game and everybody else has got an opportunity to see what you've done and then maybe cash in on on your mistake. So good performance, good result. Um, lots of positive individual performances as well. With regards to the the thing about Leeds, um, you know, bleating on about having to play with a weakened side. I think I know that the average age of their starting eleven, as you say, was was quite high, but they are riddled with problems at the moment, and they have been for a while. I don't normally have sympathy for Leeds. I never have had before, but I do have sympathy for Marcelo Bielsa at the moment because he's done a wonderful job to get them back into the Premier League, playing a really nice style of football, and he's just without so many key players at the moment. So, if I were a Leeds fan, I'd be feeling hard done by uh, based on the kind of rotten luck that they've had, but good game for the Arsenal and, and there's not much more we could have asked for. Clean sheet would have been nice, but the goal we conceded all of our own making. So um, yeah, we move on. We do. So uh, if any, you're all seasoned podcasters. Don't let, don't sit there until I ask you a question. Although if you decide to polite. do that, I've got, I've, yeah, I've got it covered. Um, so there was a, um, Bielsa came out with a really nice quote after the game, didn't he? With about the, he listed, said we've got one player injured, we got one player. Was it one player out of COVID? No, one suspended, mm-hmm. one COVID, and the rest are injuries, and so the game couldn't have been, shouldn't have been called off. Really nice move for him, that wasn't it? He was very honest. I felt, and by the way, I'm honoured to be on a podcast with Freddie Lundberg. Um, <laughs> it's fantastic stuff. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> what people don't know is that's a normal bed and he is actually standing up next to the bed he's a, he's a, he's a jog. I won't do that again sorry Sophie you're my favourite you know. Freddie Lundberg from an alternate dimension where he loves cheeseburgers if Freddie Lundberg had sex with a potato I would be his offspring then we got a show. Let's make it. Um, no, I thought that was really stand up of him versus Tuchel 
Tuchel, Tuchel, whatever, um, who kind of came out and complained about the fact that they had asked for the game to be postponed. And really they had pretty much a full strength side. Look, we're, we're entering into tricky waters. Everyone has to deal with a lot of things. When someone's sick at work, someone has to step in for them and do their job, right? I think that we're expecting miracles also of these athletes because we think they're superhuman, but at the end of the day, they are human and they go home. They go home to wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, um, kids, families, and it's really a a difficult time and a difficult situation. But I appreciated that Bielsa said we play on and the Premier League made the decision to carry on, which for us as fans, let's be honest, in this time of real um, difficulty, and there are so many people out there suffering and a lot of people who are struggling with the times that we're living in. Football is keeping us sane and keeping us going. Um, but it's not gladiator, right? We have to take their health into consideration. So I like that he was honest and I, I appreciate and, and think that m- more managers should be of the same ilk. Um, and he showed a lot more class than his fans did that night, that's for sure. Yeah, certainly is. And uh, he, could, he could have had an excuse for it. But also, does anybody know why he squats down like that the entire game? I made this point in the last Terrible bowel syndrome. No, it's basically because you know that tub he sits on? There's a <laughs> hole in the centre that no one shows. He's taking a massive dump on the side. <laughs> uh-huh. It's so, unbelievable. Because... A man of his, his age can do that. How long would it be? Nice. I think. I think most of us here would need help. Well, I wouldn't. I'd be dead. But I think most of you lot, after about a minute in that position, you'd need the, the St. John's to come and give you a hand up, wouldn't you? Um, I have to speak as a, as a parent, squatting down and hunkering down on all fours while you, are A, assemble a jigsaw puzzle, two, mess around with tablet settings, three, you're pretty much you know always hunkering down or squatting yeah, down. But you've got a lower centre uh, center of gravity than the rest of us. So further, less, less to compact. <laughs> Why wouldn't you go down on all fours? Like, no, sorry. Then, the, then the children are taller than him. That's also the name of my sex tape. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why wouldn't I go down on all fours? A Dan Except in all good bookstores and video stores. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I did have a relevant point to make in terms of what you're mentioning, Sophie. Um, I read something on Twitter today. It was a Preston fan. Uh, I don't know if anyone else caught it. Um, he, it was a, a, a stream of tweets where he was talking about mental health and how he was suffering. He was in a really dark place and he was thanking more or less um, uh, the, the Preston fans and the Preston players for giving him something to look forward to during these really bleak times. And Izzy Brown, one of the players who has apparently recently lost a brother and obviously has, has gone through the same tough shit that we all are, excuse my French, um, he reached out to him and they both had, he had a, a phone conversation and it was enough to stop this Preston fan who was contemplating very dark thoughts, um, stop him doing what he was contemplating. Um, and it was, it kind of showed that, yeah, the players, the players are human. That's a very good point that you made. You know, they're still going home to their families exactly like we are. We're all um, at risk to a certain degree when we go out there. But I mean, this is unprecedented. Nothing like this has ever happened before. So, I mean, there's also the point where, you, which you also kind of inferred, is that they're 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 paid. We always go back to how much money they're they're obviously paid, but they're also in as as bubble like atmosphere as they could possibly have. I mean, the 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 training training facilities are are taken care of by a, a fleet of staff to to make sure everything's cleaned and sanitized. And not all of us have that, you know. So, I mean, there's there's 
you've got the one point where you know, play on, carry on. It's kind of your duty. There's people who look up to you. But you're giving people something to look forward to. There's also the, the the other hand where you know they're normal people. If you're playing two games in two days, and you know you're you're they're away games, and you're on a bus with someone coughing. I mean, look at uh, what uh, Tuchel was saying. Now, I've got no pity for Chelsea because they've got they could compile three international squads. But at the same time, he was saying, you know, we we travelled up to the game to the Wolves game on, on a coach. Uh, Jorginho was coughing. Um, and he shared a meal with all of us, and now we're all thinking, can we go home to our f- uh, families for Christmas? We don't know. And that kind of illuminated a few things as well. It's, mm. I-, I don't really know where I stand. Should they play on, should they not? I- I'd understand both if the football stopped and if it didn't. Yeah, good for James. How do you feel? Have you got anything about the Leeds game, or how do you feel about the fact that um, with, with should games be cancelled? Because our, from our podcast, Raj had um, had the COVID ings last week. So did Carl. They're both over it. Oh, no. And today, Femi from our podcast said he's just been tested negative, and he's got positive, two young kids, and he's tested positive, and he's got two young kids, and Reversed Christmas is ruined. Um, to answer your first question first, in terms of what do I think about the Leeds game, it's one of those ones where you can be, you can have two perspectives on it. You can look at it via a negative prism and think we can only dispatch the so-called weak inside in front of us, but the, or you can take what I prefer to do and the alternate route, look at it positively and think, irrespective of the team that's presented to us, we still performed. We still put on a very, very good attacking display, and we could have comfortably had eight goals in that first half and it wouldn't have been flattering to us so the team for when we have elements that um you know you don't agree with what's happening and they don't look necessarily good and it's fair to point those things out i think you've got to go the other way you've got to look at the positives and think there are signs that this is a team that's growing into what it could become there is no small measure of potential and I thought we were really, really good, and I think they should forget about what was in front of us because we can't control that and, you know, look at what we did. And what we did was very, very good. In terms of your second question, COVID, do I think there should be some sort of postponement? I think it's going to get to the point where there is no choice. I think as the uh, the variant and the cases, they go up and they up and they continue to go up, and they are growing it's practically exponentials by the day now. So it's going to come to a point where it's dangerous to have large groups of people, whether that be players or supporters, all congregating in the same area because it's just going to mass produce the virus. And that virus, is, in turn, is going to get passed on to people who are vulnerable. People don't necessarily have the highest immune systems and they're going to be the ones that fall victim of it. So in terms of that, I think the only sensible thing to do is to take a break. It will have repercussions further down the field in terms of the scheduling, but it's just one of those things. When you hold it in comparison to the others, you've got to do it that way. That's true, indeed. Um, very rarely, this is a very strange occasion. I'll ask you um, this, Harry. Phil Macker has made a good point. Why didn't Sunderland players take the knee last night? It's up to people individually whether they want to make um, make do that or not, but... If your if your team has got black players in and the team don't take the knee, that is a little bit. Uh, as a, if I was a black player in that that um, Sunderland team, I'd be going, "Well, why aren't you?" Was there any reason given? Not that I know of. Um, it took me back a little bit because when I, I did, was watching I, to be honest, the game, I didn't even notice. Yeah, when, when I was watching the game, I was doing a, a watch along on the channel, and 
I was sort of saying, because I've got used to sort of doing commentaries over the last year or so and saying that being one of my lines in the lead up to the kickoff, like, you know, the players have taken to the knee in support of the, the Black Lives Matter campaign and looking for racial equality, et cetera, et cetera. And I looked and I was like, why haven't the Sunderland players done it? But it's not that uncommon. I think if you look around Europe, it's not that uncommon anymore. There's a lot of teams that have decided to stop doing it, not because they don't believe in the cause, but because they feel like the the message is kind of, it, it's lost a bit of its value because we're just doing it and not really then following it up with the right actions and the right kind of attitude and behaviours off the back of that. So I'm not saying I wouldn't have taken the knee, but I think that we're in this place now where it's been going on for a while. And I just think that genuinely a lot of people think that it's not having the impact that it should be anymore. And we've heard some black players come out. Wilfred Zaha is a prime example. You said, I find it degrading. I don't want to do it. And, and at times Crystal Palace have done it. And Wilfred Zaha has been the only Palace player standing. So I think it, it depends on why they're not doing it, right? Ultimately, we can't sort of kick them for it if they're doing it because they, for a genuine reason, if they're doing it because they just think it's, you know, that the cause doesn't need highlighting, then that's obviously wrong. But I was told from, from somebody that was at the game last night, and I wasn't there last night, that, um, that some of the Sunderland fans were booing it, and that is definitely not on. Yeah, did um, Ivan know, Tony the same? He doesn't take the knee anymore. Hmm. So, did you hear about the what happened in the German third division? I mean, we're moving off topic a little bit, but um, the, the ref, someone was abused by one of the fans and the, the players, and the man, uh, the ref said, "Right, all off, game abandoned." Did you hear about that in the German third division? I, I, I did not. Yeah, but... that's, that's that's pretty big. That was in the last. Do you hear about it, Harry, or anybody else? No, I first time briefly I read about it, but yeah, don't know there was a video it. of it, and the, the poor bloke was coming off, and he was in tears. Is it inconsolable? But um, yeah, I suppose it's up to the individual people whether they want to do it or not. We had um, an incident what? here too with um, Landon Donovan's team um, in San Diego. You know, similar, and I think the more people walk off, you have to. This is where, for me, I think certain athletes or sports have to take a bigger stance in order to make a bigger noise. I, I think the knee is, has lost its effect. What's, what purpose does it serve other than showing respect for a cause that started a long time ago? Uh, and I, I just feel like, you know, as a gay woman too, it's all well and good Lewis Hamilton wearing the rainbow helmet while he's riding in Saudi Arabia and making a shit ton of money. But if he boycotted that race, I would have a lot more that would have a lot more um, traction than running the race and Mercedes and his team making millions of dollars. So not to get into all of that stuff now, but I just think that at some point you've got to make a bit of a bigger stance as opposed to just doing token things that appease people but really don't have an impact at a greater level. Mm, that could be an interesting podcast uh, that you could do. Um, well, anybody could do. Just um, I did it people... when Saudi the Saudis took over Newcastle, and that was very polarizing. I, I have saw to that say. you you shed a tear, didn't you? Because you were very passionate about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had uh, Warren Barton on and Kevin at the same time too. So, it. yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, that's that's a huge thing that sometimes uh, enough is never enough. Not enough is done. Yes. Well, let's um, move on to another thing. The Sunderland game. Anybody want to talk about anything about the Sunderland game? And uh, did anybody think that the 
Was there anybody <laughs> from the reserves and the Deadwood that have gone, Oi, Arteta? I might be up for a few first team games. Was that you, James? Uh, you yeah, I'll, go, I'll crack on. I was actually going to adjust my hat, but I'll crack on if you I like. You were waving uh, at the Goonersphere <laughs> in the logo in the, in the corner. You know, actually, just... auction, he was actually bidding for an auction on eBay. Oh, I was actually, I was actually basking in the glory of it, wrong side up here. Um, I don't know. I, I was looking at some of the um, so-called fringe or interim players, and there were elements of that game where I was sort of. Uh, are they really? Are they really showing us anything that we didn't know already? Um, one or two of them, Cedric, especially. I. He's not a bad player. He's just when you compare him to what we have in the first team now, in Tommy Asu, then he is some considerable distance away from what we need, and I don't think he's ever going to be there. He's the perfect backup, though, mate. He's I just don't like Elneny. Think about it. You don't get. You don't often get many good backups that are provide adequate cover, and I'm more than happy to to recognise the fact that they're adequate cover. Like I know, but I know what you're saying. But given the position that Tommy Asu takes up, and the physicality, and the sort of you know what the role needs, Callum Chambers is a much better deputy. I'd have Callum Chambers as centre back, to be honest. Um, I, I am a huge fan of Callum Chambers and Ainsley Maitland Niles. Um, Both of those are streets ahead of Cedric, in my opinion. I, I, I would agree with you on that. I mean, I, I'm mystified that uh, Maitland Niles isn't starting ahead of El Nenny because every time I've oh, seen yeah, him yeah. in the centre of midfield, he's, he's blown me away. I mean, he played in the FA Cup final, the last one we won. And he, he ran the show for the first uh, 55, 60 minutes. Would, would, you, not, would you not agree that when, yeah. in the uh, Leeds game, when Tommy Asu went off and Cedric came on, your first instinct was, oh, bloody hell, we don't need Tommy Asu to get injured because we looked defensively fragile. Well, there's, the there's minute some mystifying dis- decisions from um, Arteta. I think there's something going on behind the scenes with uh, Maitland Niles. I think it's um, uh, 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 a mindset personality clash, something that Arteta thinks he should work on, which is why he ain't getting enough starts, which is why Elneny, Mr. 6 out of 10, is starting ahead of him, which I, mm. I just I don't agree with. There has to be something going on behind the scenes. Um, with Callum Chambers, when, before Same he got thing, injured, when, when, yeah, when Arteta first started out, Chambers was getting the starts, and he was playing incredibly well. I mean, he hasn't got he hasn't got a lot of pace, but he was putting in great balls. He was... He was he wasn't a lot complete liability. He was he was a, a very good right back, and he was playing centre back as well. And then he got injured, and since he's come back, he hasn't had a sniff. And I, I just don't get it. I mean, admittedly, um, like you say, there are things that go on behind closed doors that you, I, or anyone here doesn't know anything about. And for all we know, that Suarez puts in the poor Suarez Cedric, yeah, Cedric puts yeah. in the performances, and in training, he's the one that looks the most suitable to go in. It's just. Is that a plane going overhead? Can anyone hear that? <laughs> oh, um, it's a, a, it's a, a little plane just flew over my house. Yes. <laughs> what do you two think, Harry and uh, or so? And Harry, you, your top lip quivered as if you were going to say something. Then I'm very good at reading people. Go on. <laughs> um, I don't think Cedric is as bad as people make him out to be. But I think what the problem is with Cedric is that he is an old I don't want to say old school because he's not old school but he is not the type of fullback that Mikel Arteta wants in the team Mikel Arteta his team I've said it for a long time is a little bit lopsided in that it's designed 
that the left back gets more freedom to get forward. And the right back's job is different. He becomes inverted. He tucks in alongside the centre backs. And Tommy Asu is the perfect hybrid of a centre back mm. and a right back which means that when we do push the left back forward, he can become part of a back three, doesn't look uncomfortable. But I would say that if, if you're going to find a criticism, a fault of Takahiro Tomiyasu, is that his final ball when he gets in the attacking third is not that great. Cedric is the opposite. Cedric is one of those fullbacks that wants to get forward all the time. And probably his biggest asset is his ability to put the ball in the box. He, he's got a good delivery on him, Cedric. And, and Mikel Arteta has alluded to that on numerous occasions. He said it quite a bit last season when there were question marks over whether it should be him or Bellerin or Chambers. Arteta constantly said that he's the one with the most end product when we get in the final third. So I just think Cedric is someone who doesn't fit in the system that we're playing now. And, but equally, I don't look at Callum Chambers and think that he can do it every week at right back. I think we saw some really good performances from him last season and some really poor ones. Um, you know, Maitland-Niles in midfield. I think Maitland-Niles would have played yesterday had he not been out with illness. Um, that was what the club's uh, official line on was on his absence. So um, I think had he not been ill, I'm pretty sure he would have started. I don't think Mikel would have wanted to play both Odegaard and Smith-Rowe in the midfield. I felt that in Maitland-Niles' absence, he didn't want to go with Patino from the beginning and, and decided that was the, the way forward. I absolutely agree with what you just said. I think the problem with Cedric for me is that he will cost us more goals than he creates. Whereas you could argue that Tommy Asu is the reverse of that. He, <coughs> Cedric, Cedric has the end product, but when if we're if we were playing against a good attacking team, I, he, he would make our shit kittens with him at the back. I think we need the same type of competition at right back that we have at left back right now with Nuno and Tierney, yeah, yeah. you know, and the upgrades there. And you look and see with Gabriel and Ben White, I, I love holding. He's a great kid and he's a good guy. But again, there's a drop off, right? There's, I think, if anything, we see in these games like the League Cup, the drop off if, God forbid, a Tommy Asu is injured or, you know, Gabriel or Ben White are injured. Um, even looking at Leno, as he, I thought he was decent, but he's not as commanding. And I think we've seen that. And the evidence was, again, kind of put in front of our faces last night, you know, not having not having Ramsdale. So I'm so sick and tired of this whole... Enketia scored a hat-trick. Love the kid. Great kid. But he's doing it against a League One team in Sunderland that, yes, is a little resurgent and playing a lot better under this manager. And they've got a, a nice kind of balance in their squad now. But he's not the answer. You know, Arsenal are going to be proved, Arsenal are going to be judged in the Premier League. We've seen Chambers play. We've seen Enketia play. We've seen Holding play. We've seen Kalasinac play. We've seen El Nenny play. We've seen all these players play. They do not improve the Arsenal in the Premier League. They may be good in a cup competition, but if we want to evolve as a, as a team, if we want to be consistent and more competitive in the Premier League, we've got to start moving away from these players. And that includes Cedric. Came on at Leeds, he looked susceptible. But to be fair to them too, they don't get, they don't get the game time to play. But we need an upgrade across the board. We can't keep relying on what we've seen. Won the T-shirt, drank from the mug, seen the movie. I mean, it's time to just move on from it. What do you need to see more from Cedric or any of those other players? I would, I would argue to a point 
there are I think it's on a case by case basis. I think some of those are ideal stand-ins, and I think if they are given a run in the side, they a few of them have shown that they can do it week in week out. Unfortunately, they're they're weekend week out. Who? Run, Maitland Niles to me is is like a Phil Neville. He's good to have in the team because he's like a hybrid. <clears throat> he's like a satellite dish. You can put him at right back. You can put him in midfield. He's versatile. Every team needs a player like that. But Chambers. Really, I I would I would argue that Chambers is good enough when he plays week in week out. Unfortunately, he doesn't get often enough a run. But he when he doesn't had, upgrade Arsenal, he doesn't make us. But uh, Tommy Yasu's made us better in that position. He offers so much more. I, I would, That's I the would difference. Say, I would say that for, to be a successful club, you need a a very strong squad, and some players will be will fulfil a role. You know they'll they'll play twenty twenty five games a season and they'll come in and out the side. I would argue that Chambers is more than more than adequate to be that as a centre back, as a right back, the jury's out. Maitland Niles as a right back, but, he's the best cover for what we've got. Ma- I think Ma- he's the most like for like. I think that's the key in terms of his stature, in terms of his physicality, yeah. in terms of the fact that he is a bit of a right back and a centre back. I think yeah. that's why he's a good fit tactically. But I think his his contract comes to an end at the end of the season, which yes, does. Yeah, could yeah. be partly why Mikel Arteta is not keen on using him. I don't know. Maybe maybe he's already made noises to to the manager to say, you know, listen, I, I've had it now. I've, I've I've had my stay here. I've, I've had my stint. Maitland Niles, I would argue that every time he started in the last ten starts he's had, he's had a really really good game, and I think he deserves a run. Um, I'm still, to be fair, I'm. It was a. It's a massive price tag. He's only just joined, but I am not entirely convinced by Ben White yet. Uh, everyone's raving about you know how he has. Um, he's been. He's been exactly what we need. I think he's had some really good displays, but on the occasions I've watched him, that he's always had a shit what the fuck moment. Um, I heard I, someone. Um, sorry, Chuck. Um, make a right. very good point where they likened him to Koscielny. Koscielny's first season and a bit at Arsenal was ropey, but you could see that as he got older, he was going to evolve. I think White's the same. I think, yeah, Koscielny also had the added um, he's going to give he's going to have a red card in a minute moment. But I, I just I don't know. I, I'm not. I, I think that you know you compare them to get they're both very different types of defenders. Gab, uh, Gabriel is is very robust. Um, you know he's he's very good in the air. I mean. Look, I hate to hark back to the first game of the season, you know, because we, we were riddled with COVID. It was the first game of the season. Brentford had the fire in the bellies, whatnot. But, I mean, Ivan Tony, he would beat most defenders in the air anyway. But Ben White didn't have a... He, he didn't win a header all night. Um, against Leeds, against a wee bit of pace, he was on the deck more than once. Um, I just... I'm not entirely convinced by Ben White. And I think we need some adequate cover. And I think Chambers would fulfil that at the moment. Hmm. Yes. Oh my god! Shocking, shocking statement. <laughs> wow. You know what? Ben White's Ben White is a victim of his price tag. The same thing as Pepe. It is not I, I Ben know, White's fault. Hold on one second. There is the, the, It's it's not Ben White's fault that the British marketplace asks and demands that type of fee. It is not Pepe's fault that Arsenal Football Club paid seventy-two million pounds for him. They are victims of their price tag. And I'm not saying Pepe is the answer, but Ben White has done a lot more good in that position in the short space of time than Mustafi or Socrates or any of those other players. And the fact that he gets kind of everyone, every Arsenal fan sometimes, most Arsenal fans want a scapegoat. 
And it seems like Ben White is that because we paid 50 million for him. But they complement each other. Gabriel Ben White, that's the whole point of a partnership. Vidic, Ferdinand, even in Leicester's year when they won in 2015, you know, West Morgan, they, they complement each other. You have to have a partnership. He made a stupid mistake against Leeds and people kind of want to kill him for it. And I think that he's elevated the back line and helped create this back five and be part of this back five that is completely different to anything that we've seen in the last three or four seasons. I just think that we need to be a little bit more lenient um, with him. And, you know, it's always like he's shit in the air. Well, okay. Every player has some things they need to work on. But I, I, I just I, I don't, I don't think it's – I don't think – Comparing Chambers to Ben White, really, I, I, I mean... Would, two, two points. Um, one, you can't compare um, Ben White's price tag to Pepe's price tag, or his. The, the, both cases are completely different. Pepe's had, what, three seasons, two and a half seasons, uh, and he's had, you know, a, a string of starts in, in, in the league. Um, Pepe, I would, I would argue, is... I think he's going to be on his way out. Um, he's had yeah, but it's still not his fault. We paid seventy-two no, 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 million no, no, for no, him, and Arsenal fans expect miracles. No, what I'm what my point is that, regardless of the price tag, let's say we bought him for his market value, which is roughly about forty forty-five million. He had he has had ample time to prove himself. Ben White hasn't. And two, I would say on Twitter, Facebook, all the Facebook groups, I've not seen many people make Ben White a scapegoat. In fact, quite the contrary, I've I've seen people absolutely creaming about Ben White and saying, you know, he's, he's the second coming. Um, all I'm saying is that, one, he's not as good as people I have been making him out to be at the moment. He needs a, a very, he needs some more settling in. And two, he's still very, very young. I'm just, I'm saying I'm not entirely convinced he's as good as everyone. I don't think people, people are convinced. I don't think, I think the majority of people are on, are probably on your side of thinking here with, with regards to Ben White. The jury's still out with him. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm entirely the majority of the time the stuff I write about is entirely positive. I mean, I wrote about three, two, three months ago, but when Gabriel Martinelli was having a really rough time, and people were saying, actually, maybe this this injury's changed him. You know, like done the Fernando Torres thing. Uh, maybe he's not as good as we thought he was, and he was just a flash in the pan. And I wrote something to say, listen, the kid needs some time. He's you know he's incredibly young. He's had a a body rocking injury. And he's now got to come back, not only to you know get back to full fitness, he's got to, got to get back to fight his way back into the side. Uh, he still feels like he's got a point to prove. He's got the mentality. You know, he's still a very, very young man. And look what's happening now. You know, he's he's been given arm around the shoulder. He's been given ample time to to, to you know get back into where he was. I'm normally entirely positive. I'm just speaking from my personally my own observations on Ben White. I've watched him really, really closely, and. <sighs> Maybe he's suffering because he's next to Gabriel. I mean, Gabriel has been—he's been like a rock. Yeah, I mean, nothing's getting past him at all, really. Um, I'm just—I don't know. I, the jury's out with me with Ben White. That's all. The seaside Mustafi, how dare you? I mean, the jury's still out on Arteta. The jury's still out on all of this stuff. It's all new. I just don't understand. I just think, uh, and to Tabrez, uh, I treat footballers like movies. um, And uh, I just like him because he's new. Well, I like Tomiyasu. I like Kieran Tierney. I like Nuno. I like Sambi. I think they all have tremendous... Um, a tremendous road ahead of them as footballers. I just think that sometimes, same with Xhaka, let's just blame everything on Xhaka. Let's blame, blame everything on Ben White. I just 
don't see what Ben White has done so badly for us to kind of point the finger at him. That's all. Hmm. Well, yes, I think he's a. Uh, he's only. Um, I think he had a, a season in the, the lower three. Ask Brighton and Leeds fans, Danny, what they think about Ben White. They love him, but I can see why he annoys people. He likes to come out. He's a little bit like why? Because he's tattooed and he's got blonde streaks. Oh no, and no, he the way that he his eyebrows. Positionally, he sometimes irritates people by going forward. We've seen a couple of times of him taking the ball out of defence like he thinks he's Lothar Mateus. And he carries the ball forward beautifully a lot of the times as well, doesn't he? He's a very much a modern-day uh, uh, centre-back. His, his distribution is impeccable. Mm. And I was, I was speaking to my brother about him last night. And I said, he's probably the, one of the most handsome footballers we, we've had since, I mean, obviously since Giroud. He is a good-looking fecker. Um, a very I good think he could play midfield. To be honest, I think he'd be great. Josh, off, when Josh says uh, uh, he's a Brighton season ticket holder, our Josh, and he said, "Yeah, he, he, that's a position he could easily play." And he, he said that maybe when we signed him, that that could be the future for him to go into that that um, that, that position. Anyway, Harry, how long have you got before you go? Just a couple of minutes, man. Two, three, four okay. minutes. Don't worry. All right, then you go with this one. Then the Obama, uh, the Obama. The upper Alba. I can't read me. Yeah. Uh, uh, Barack Obama. Should he play? Should he play? We really need to sign more ex presidents to the United States, don't we? (laughs) The Alba situation. 14 goals in four games without him. Slightly stat padding last night. Um, What do you think is going to happen with him? Like, where? Who could afford his wages? Who could afford his fee? And has he still got what it takes at the top level? Um, It's harsh to say that he doesn't have what it takes. To, to play at the top level because throughout his career, barring probably last season, he's he's always scored goals. You know, that's undeniable. The facts are there. I think the situation with Aubameyang now is, is a difficult one because, of course, this disciplinary action that's been taken against him, I think it had to be done. I think that he obviously crossed the line one too many times. The captaincy was stripped of him. And I just wonder what's going on in the background at this moment. Why is it that he's still being left out? Why is it that a line hasn't been drawn under the situation? Why is it that Mikel Arteta can't just come out and say, well, you know, he's made his mistake, he's been punished for it, and, you know, it's over to him now to work hard and force his way back into the side. He just doesn't want to be drawn on anything, Arteta, which makes it difficult for us as fans and onlookers to really make sense of it. I think reading between the lines, and I don't know this, but reading between the lines, it feels like, uh, the, the situation has become untenable between Oba and, and, and Arteta or the club and that we are going to try and find some kind of exit strategy at the earliest opportunity. For me, I still don't think we're blessed enough in the striking positions to be able to just say, well, forget it, kick him to the curb and leave him there, you know, because we're, we're a Lacazette injury away from being significantly weakened. And if we were to, our season was to be derailed come the the back end of it by the fact that we're missing an experienced striker. I think a lot of people are going to find that really, really disappointing. So it's, it's a tough one. I wonder if this will accelerate Arsenal's plans to bring in a new striker. It was clearly something they're looking at for the summer with Lacazette and Enketia's contracts coming to an end, but will the club look to accelerate that to this, uh, this upcoming transfer window? I don't know, but for me, um, if I were the manager, I'd be leaving the door open for Aubameyang to return to the squad. Wouldn't be giving him the captaincy back anytime soon. But we've seen with Granit Xhaka that if you if you get your head down and get on with it, you can 
find a way back into the team. It's just the longer this goes on, the more difficult that becomes. And um, I fear that if we do allow him to leave or he continues to not be involved, we could fall a little bit short in the striking department. And I, I really feel like this team are moving forward and progressing. And we, I, I'm so invested in this team at the moment. And I, I like what the manager's doing. I like the players he's been bringing in. But I just, I still worry that, you know, something like this could be what prevents us achieving our goals this season. And that would be really frustrating. You could also argue that something like this could actually be the catalyst for us achieving our goals this season. Because for all, as much as Aubameyang has been brilliant for Arsenal, you've got to take into account that him playing may not just be singly Arteta's decision. You don't know what's going on behind closed doors and how much of a disruptive influence he could potentially be. Now, I don't know either way. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Maybe he's completely innocent. Maybe he doesn't deserve any of what's happened to him. It's just one of those things that the only way that we'll ever see which is the right is to see what happens in time. Now, hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? I mean, if we leave Ober out and it all goes to shit, then maybe we should have kept him on. But if we leave him out and everything's a tickety-boo, then it was the right decision. Nobody if he that. really cared, if he really cared about the Arsenal wouldn't he have tweeted a few times or on his Instagram saying, well done, boys, great win, nothing, zero, zilch. And he was, the, he was the captain the of this club. Right. Yeah, I oh, mean, come we, on. Before we go on, we didn't say goodbye to Harry because uh, I want him to say, Harry, where can people find you on the Twitters and uh, plug your podcast and any other stuff that you want to give a quick plug to? Yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Harry Simi. You can see it there on the screen or you can find me on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast and 90 Min. Um, thank you for having me. It's, it's, an, it's a pleasure to be on. I'm sorry that I've got a dash, but I'm working, which is a bit of a bummer. Uh, thank you for having me. So feel free to go. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Harry. Cheers, guys. Brilliant. Take care. Nice to chat to yeah, you. Bye, later. Harry. Bye. Bye. Uh, so you were going to say um, something. Here you go. Uh, uh, Tabrez says in the chat so the only players Arteta got rid of were Ozil and Socrates Ozil ousted for more than football and us um, Socrates was 34 Mustafi was offered a new contract and Kola is still there so I think he's yeah, but he also sent Torreira out on loan Genduzi went out on loan Mavrobanos went out on loan there was a major shift in in the squad right so and also, we we didn't get any any ROI on a lot of the players that did end up leaving, like Mustafi, like That's Ozil. A hell of a lot of money lost. It was on. a lot of money on the table that that we left. So, wh whatever anyone wants to say, the January transfer window did help us move the culture and the DNA of the club in a different direction. And I do give Arteta credit for that. I've not been a fan of him in the Premier League as a manager. I think he still has a lot to prove. Finishing eighth and eighth isn't good enough. And this season we have to qualify for Europe. And if we don't, it's a major, major failure. So, but I do give him credit for being ruthless and trying to evolve the club. And Aubameyang, you know, no one's bigger than bigger than the team. And Tony Adams said it, play for the, you know, the, the, the badge on the front and people remember your name on the back. And I think over the last few years, we just haven't had that. We've had selfish, self-centered, apathetic players who care more about themselves than they do about the club. And I think finally we've got a set of players that we can fall in love with and root for. How long has that been since the Arsenal have had that? Been a long time. I also it think we is. look a better team without him there. 
Aubameyang. I agree right? completely, mm. James, 100%. Yeah. We've seen how much Lacazette has improved and how much the, he's taken the weight as the leader of the team on his shoulders and shown everybody. The bloke who everyone went, he won't last 60 minutes, he's 90, 90 and 83. There you go, straight away. The, the Americanism in the baseball, which I hate people using, he stepped up to the plate and he's yeah. done it. Which what is accent, more than we... What accent was that, though, Danny? <laughs> what? That was no accent. <laughs> you put on a little accent. No, I don't know. Do also, accents. the difference is, is when Lacazette doesn't score, he still offers something to the team, whether it's his movement, his positioning, the way he runs the channels, the way he takes defenders with him. When Aubameyang doesn't score, unfortunately of late, he hasn't offered much to the team. Granted, he's had a few games where tracking back he's done quite well, but that's not why he's paid 300 grand plus a week. We want him to score goals. And yes, he saved us early on in his Arsenal career. So did Leno saves, you could argue, that were a part of that um, terrible first season that that he had at the Arsenal. So, you know, I think that's the difference between Lacquer and Oba. Um, And it's a little bit like Bobby Firmino. He doesn't get the credit that he deserves, but he allows uh, Mane and Salah to do the things that they do up front and I think Lacazette is a bit similar in that regard. I'm not saying they're the same talent, but I think they offer the same in order to be able to allow those creative players to do what they do as well. Excellent. Um, have you got I'm going to have to duck out, yeah. Um, unfortunately, your, what, well, fortunately or unfortunately, it is. Unfortunately. Um, <laughs> of course, it's, it's always unfortunate. We have to say goodbye to you. Um, everybody knows who you are, but tell them anyway and where they can find you. Uh, you can find us at Highbury Squad across all social platforms. If you haven't heard the show, give it a shot on YouTube uh, with myself and Super Kevin Campbell. And uh, Danny, thank you as always for your support. Bookcamp Wonderland was the first podcast that ever invited me on to talk football. I love you guys very much. And I hope everyone has a really healthy and safe holiday season. If you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. And thank you for having me on. Great to meet James and Jock. Would love to have you on the Highbury squad sometime soon to talk football. Wicked, yeah. Excellent. Say the word. We'll love be there. Yeah, okay, perfect. Thank Cheers, you, guys. Dave. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah. Oh, don't like that look. Jesus. Right. <laughs> dirty fuckers. I can get dirty. <laughs> now the stars have left. <laughs> just left, left for the riffraff. I was yeah, giving exactly. them to the questions because they had to go early and you two have yeah, got nothing else to do because you have you've got you have asked to stick the I kids was, in bed. I was enjoying listening to them, to be honest. They are wonderful people. And two of my favourite pod, well, I've got loads of favourite ones. Is there anything that we've talked about before that um, I didn't give you a chance to talk about because I wanted to get them to speak a little bit more because there's lots of stuff that has come up? Um, I would argue that Lacquer stepping up to the plate, stepping up to the plate, as you said before. Um, <laughs> Honestly, I, look, I've got a tooth missing. And so sometimes my... So I wasn't... So I'm honestly, to call you Captain Danny, something. then. If you've, huh? got, if, you've got, if you've got a tooth missing, I'm going to have to call you Captain Danny. Um, no one I'm would me when I've got a missing tooth. That's my philosophy. It hasn't worked. <laughs> I've been bullied by children. <laughs> <laughs> my point was uh, regarding Lacquer is that him showing, you know, everyone knew about his um, his interplay, his his touch around the box, um, his his hold up play was always very very good, very intelligent player. Uh, I would say him playing the way he he has is kind of signalling the death knell of Eddie and Ketia. Now everyone knows Eddie wants to go because he wants first team football. Even Paul Merson came out um, yesterday after the game and said, "Stick around, 
You know, you're not going to get, you're not going to lead the line at a top Premiership club at your age. You haven't done enough yet. You haven't done 20 goals a season after season after season. Um, stick around, get better, blah blah blah. Lack of playing the way he has shows that Eddie needs to broaden his skill set a little bit, especially in the modern game. Eddie is an instinctive finisher. He's that much fabled fox in the box. Where look at that first goal, Rob Holden's header. Keeper pulls off an incredible save, and there's not many people who could read it, but Eddie was in the right place at the right time, and that is a skill. He's got to have it, hasn't he? He's he's very good at that, and he finished with any part of the body he could. Uh, That is a definite skill, but his interplay isn't good enough. He isn't strong enough. In the air, he's got a decent header, but it isn't enough to oust the majority of central defenders. He hasn't got enough about him to lead the line. So he, he either gets used to playing 15, 20 games for the Arsenal until he... He uh, develops one of these skills or he goes to a lower league club, not a lower league club, maybe a top championship club or a lower Premier League club and he develops his game now. But then Paul Merson, oh no, Paul Merson came up with another very good point, which mystified me, is that if he goes to one of these clubs, they're not going to play the Arsenal way. They're not going to play, uh, you know, um, they're not going to give him f- five, ten chances a game or that's an exaggeration, maybe three, four chances a game. He's going to get one chance. And if he misses, he's going to get pilloried and he's, his confidence is going to drop. And he's not, he's going to have less opportunity to score more goals. So he has to take all that into account. And I'm not, you know, Eddie's got, what's, what was that comment? What are you laughing at? Who stole the ladder to Jock's pet? <laughs> It's Josh, it's our Josh being a twat. Well, no, no, look, right, let me let me show you. I have got nowhere to sit. All right, this uh, this is the. the so, Josh, the new place is looking decent, by the way, man. Thanks, man. I mean, I'll give you the I'll give the guided tour now. It's, well, it's not finished. I mean, I'm missing doors and stuff, but you know. Got a question for you two. Whatever happened to Simi Javel Humbo showing his old school oh, Arsenal podcast? There, we, we have um we have a WhatsApp chat, don't we, Hermes? Um, yeah, we have, he's still very much part of the. He's a married man now, is Simi? Yes, he is. Good he's looking chap. He showed me he's, off camera what he looked like once. I thought, oh, he's a heartbreaker. He, yeah, he looks like um, he's devilishly um, handsome, isn't he? he yeah, is. he like a Bollywood superstar. He's very charismatic as well, um, and he's very much a part of our of our world. We we chat often. We we were going to have a meet up. Um, we were. I want to have a meet up once every year, and we 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 do meet up pretty much once every year at the very least. And we we're going to have a a Gunnersphere fest. It's uh, hard so, to get uh, all five of us together at the same time. It's really yes, hard. Uh, like, was, I, I see Daniel quite a lot, but getting us all together at the same time. True. I, ABW has been going since two thousand and thirteen, as you know, and I have met. Four people. I met Carl and Femi at a game. Jeff come all the way from fucking Canada to see me. Mike and Gunas from the USA. No, Gunas pod. Come all the way from America to see me. Ellis is 20 minutes away. Couldn't give less of a fuck. <laughs> John is <laughs> half an hour away. It's like I'm I on th- the moon. I think we all we all met up pretty sharpish, didn't we? Yeah, like we we've met known, up with We've the... known each other seven, eight years now. Yes, and we we normally I mean, we've had some we've had some escapades most definitely. Oh god, yeah. um, I've seen some the really photos, good, really good memories. And to this yeah. day, I cannot hear um, the song by Africa without shedding a tear and seeing you lot dancing. Was it Daniel's <laughs> wedding or yours, James? No. I got I got I lifted up on on the shoulders of my goodness for comrades, and uh, I simulated rainfall, which um, is one of my favourite ever videos. Magnificent. <sighs> yes, yeah, so you it was, it was, I wasn't even there, and it's one of my favourite days ever. Um, any, other, <laughs> any other bits you want to cover? I don't know if there's that much we've got to say. I mean, 
I can see what Jock was saying about Ben White. Ben White, I think, is one of those players where Sophie's right. To an extent, he's a victim of his price, price tag. But He's growing time, into it. He's getting, the, he's getting better than worse, but more better than more worse. That's not Again, I liken him back to Koscielny. I think he's got a similar path in the team to Koscielny. I remember when the first season Koscielny was here and he, he didn't look... He looked a bit weak. He looked a bit off the pace. He wasn't necessarily as physically imposing as you would expect a defender to be. But as he grew, as he got used to the league, he got better and every one of his good attributes started to shine through. And I think Ben White will go the same way. I think, um, I mean, you've got the, you had the, Mer- you had the Merisaka-Koscielny partnership, you had Campbell and Toure, and you've got White and Gabriel. And I think the, the partnership between Toure and Campbell and Merisaka and Koscielny kind of fit a pattern where you had one who was, very cerebral, very you know, very physical as well. And you had another one who was re- who had pace, who could mop up at the back when it went past that person. Um, and I think um, Gabriel is very physical, you know, and he, he he bats most most aerial balls away, no no problem at all. But when something goes past him, um, yeah, he, I mean he's not he's no slouch, but I think um, you know Ben White could be that player. I just. I'm not. I'm, I wasn't slating Ben White, and I'm not saying he's not good enough. No, it's not okay because he's not I'm not perfect. Not, no. Anyone who reads my stuff will know that I am not critical. I am overtly positive. I will just say that I'm just not. From what I've seen, the feedback has been Ben White is amazing. What a, what a brilliant player. Blah blah blah. And yeah, he's he's made a few errors, but it's been majority. The majority of it has been positive. I'm just saying I'm not complete. Hold back a wee bit. We don't know if he's going to be. Yeah, as good I as... think I agree with you. If there's ever a perfect example of how Arsenal fans, well, a small minority, shall we say, are prone to completely blowing a player out of proportion, it's Charlie yeah. Patino last night. I mean, Christ, he's just a kid, and he's being hearkened like he's some sort of amalgamation of Beckenbauer, Xavi, and Vieira all at the same time. <laughs> now, for all we know, it'd be great. For all we know, it'd be brilliant, but. Fucking hell, he's 18 years old. He's played 20 minutes. I remember, um, do you remember Daniel Crowley? Uh, a yeah. very, very talented. Super, super there. Dan Crowley. Yeah, he yeah. went on loan to Holland. Yes, and um, it was more of a, I mean, look at Ravel Morrison as well. The, they're saying, uh, I, I can't remember who said it was a Man United squad member, um, said the most talented player they'd ever seen. Um, I think it might be Ferguson. Out, yeah, it's, it's real Ferguson. That's it. Came out the use system was Ravel Morrison, and look, I mean, he ended up playing like in the second division in Mexico. Um, Daniel Crowley yes. went on loan to the Netherlands. He went on there permanent eventually. I don't know where he is now. I think he might be in League Two. I'm not sure, but what I'm saying, talent isn't everything. And he's probably in like some sort of league where you know anyone can play, like France. Chris is going to murder you. I have a list of all the old players, and he's currently at Cheltenham Town. Played 11 games. He's only 24 years old. He's just, he's just on the road for me, then. League One, 11 games, 15 games all season. That is because in the old days, I used to go uh, when I was updating on the reserves and you, Super Super Dan Crowley, future England legend. That's an old one. Didn't happen. Just doesn't See? sometimes, does it? It just doesn't. So make. many. Arsenal had so many. Fran Marida looked really good. Carlos Vela looked really good. Fran Marida just sounds like a dessert, doesn't it? I love some Fran Marida. <laughs> Um, little update for people if you care about um, the Carabao Cup Spurs are not playing their first team West Ham are it's 0-0 
Brentford, I don't know if that's their first team. And Chelsea definitely are not playing their first team. Liverpool aren't playing their first team. They've got a couple of the Oxes playing and uh, one with the teeth he's playing. And then Leicester are playing full side. <laughs> one Leicester the are winning what, two Firmino. Nil. That's it. Bobby the teeth. <laughs> that sounds like a gangster, doesn't it? What's your well, name? Jimmy Tagle. You'd, you'd love to see Firmino and Gabriel have a white teeth off. Oh, that'd be awful. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Michael in Sweden says, Morrison couldn't make it at Ustersons. Was yeah, that played when against Potter was manager? Yeah. Was he at Ustersons when Potter was manager? I think he was. Fuck, okay. Yeah. Um, Ustersund sounds like a um, you know, it's Norwegian cake mix. Sounds like some kind of bone disease. Osterson sounds like uh, one of those um, Sunday detective dramas that you put on. Osterson, <laughs> vet at large. As <laughs> <laughs> he's walking along. Watch, watch out, he's got a fucking shooter. That reminds me, I've got all of the Goonosphere podcasts on my main drive. I found them and I need to post them to you. Daniel wanted a copy of them because... I've got them and they're fifty million pounds each. Right. Um so <laughs> worth every penny. Yeah. Uh so move on from the Obama Young situation. Let's have a look at, at the lack of contract. I've made three lots of notes. Do we offer him a new deal? If so, how long and for how much? He's going to be 31 in the summer, I think. Has he shown in the last few games that he still has what we need? And like Obama Young, um, who could afford his wages, especially as he is not a 30 goal a season man? So if someone's going to pay big money for someone, like he's going to want the, the, the old fabled, oh, my last contract, I've got kids to feed, and I need I to think... turn the electricity on because it's winter, the poor boy. Uh, they want to go for one hell of a big final deal. I think he's on maybe 180 with us, and there was a, I heard another podcast saying that he's going to want a lot more money and be our highest paid player. Can't do that, can we? I think there's... It, it's a tough one because he's been good this season, but there has to come a point where we make the right decision for his future. And I can't think it's anything but letting him go. He's got, he's in a, if he leaves on a freeze in the um, sort of beneficial position where he can get a large signing on fee because there's no transfer fee involved. So but no Premier League team will have him because he's not a goal no, scorer. What's the they point of having him? It's if he, go, if funny, he goes anywhere, it? it'll probably be... No, I think it'll be oh. Serie A because that's where... Really? That's like a graveyard oh. for players. Giroud and all these other ones and Dzeko at Milan and uh, Zlatan, who's 61. You can, they love it. You can, you can play in Serie A. Um, you I, don't I could play in Serie A. <laughs> I think me and Jock could probably form a good central defensive partnership in Serie A. Uh, he, he goes there and he doesn't necessarily – it prolongs his career. So he could go to Juventus, AC Milan, Parma, whoever, and probably have – no one does what Laka does. It sounds like his debut hip-hop album. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, his um, featuring Adele. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say with, with, with Laka, yeah, he, he, offers some, he offers something that – None, no one in our squad offers like Giroud. Used it's to. not irrepl- It's not irreplaceable. Um, he he has good hold up play and he's got good interlink play. But that's um, not and, the he, and he's showing center, he's showing desire for the badge, which is great. But it's not something we can't replace. Uh, if he said, "Listen, I want a two year deal on the same wages I'm on," because like you said, he's thirty one, so he's past his physical peak. He is the only way te- technically physically for him is down. Um, so. He'd be well within his rights to ask for the same again, and that would be offering. I mean, 180k a week is still a princely sum, 
um, then we'd have to think about earning it. In, in, and more than he'll get playing any other, for any other team. You don't get that in Italy and he's not getting that in France. Exactly. But if he's if he is asking to be the top earner, he's got to go. He has to go because that's. I mean, no, that's no like way. We, you would, can't we would do that. We would attack Don Raul if he offered that those kind of wages um, because it's madness. So we can. He'd have to him. do something pretty fucking spectacular between now and the end of the season for that. To he's capable of it. I mean, do you remember the the Europa League when we got to the uh, final? He scored that scored that free kick uh, thirty yards. I think was it against Napoli. Napoli or yeah. against Valencia. I can't remember. Um, first leg I'm not sure but either way he's capable of the spectacular he's capable of goals and he he, he adds something to our team but like the comment came along he, he does what no one else does in our squad but it's not something we can't find. Yeah, the, the trouble with him doing what no one else does in our squad is that there are players out there that we could sign younger better that will do more yep, yep. You, could, you, you could make a very good case for when the summer comes around we don't need one striker we need two I, I, I mean, I don't pretend to know exactly who we should go for, but I think if we're going to, if we do go for two, one of them's got to be good in the air. We need, that's, we're so crying out for someone who can head a football. Very, very true. Yeah, Especially the amount of balls be. coming in from, from yeah, It won't be Vlahovic, will it? He's down at Juventus. Oh, no, it's no way it's going to be him. No. Um, right, so, uh, let's move away from the, I've got a thing here about Eddie, but I might do that later. Um, can we push for third? No Europe. Chelsea form is bad. They've won two of their last seven and conceded 11 goals in their last seven. Do you think there's any way with the form and the players and no injuries, which has been amazing for us this season? Can we go for third? I think if we're going to get third, we will have to be perfect from now to the end of the season and still rely on Chelsea being bad. There's no way the, 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 the truth is that we are not the third best team in the country and over 38 games, I think that will show. Yeah, I don't think um, we'll get third if we, uh, in any way, shape, or form. Fourth is very much up for grabs, but Liverpool, Man City, and Chelsea are streets ahead of everyone else at the moment. Yeah, they have injury worries, Chelsea and whatnot. And they're going through a wee bit of a bad patch, but before then, everyone was going. Rudiger was the best centre back in the league, and you know Chelsea are going to steamroll everyone. Thomas Tuchel, you know, he's a winning machine. Uh, and now all of a sudden they're not going to make Europe. Uh, Chelsea shouldn't be doubted. They'll be there or thereabouts. Of course they will. City are untouchable. Uh, even without a bloody striker, it's just insane. And, this, and Liverpool they're are showing deal, alarming they? signs. They're selling Torres. See, uh, the, the thing is... Oh, Ferran Torres, really? Yeah, going to Barcelona for £50 million. That's strange. That's a bargain, really. The, 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 the funny thing about those three teams you've mentioned, I've, had, I've said this before, but... I will stand by that I think Liverpool are by far and away the best team in the country. I think at Anfield, I'd fancy them to batter anyone in this league. I also think they've got a very, very finite time to be the best team. Oh, yeah, they're I on the day. Yeah, exactly. I would say after this season, that it's their strike force that carries them through because you know they, they to, they're from, their whole game plan starts from the front. And it, it's the same all the way through. But they start from the front. Once... Salah goes. I mean, I'm not convinced he'll sign another contract. Um, and they're they're talking about, oh yeah, their favourites to sign Haaland. Different, completely different type of player. You have to change the game. Um, for if me, he's no, going anyone, he's going to City. Haaland. Uh, yeah, he's he's tailor made for City. Um, but they're they've got a very finite time where they're going to be the top team in the league. And With I would agree. manager, he, he squeezes every ounce out of his teams. Look what he did to Dortmund. Brilliant, brilliant. Oh my God, they're shit. In such a short there, of time, um, you look at <laughs> Liverpool's true. team that they got Van Dijk, Salah, Sane, Henderson, Allison. 
the only people who've got longevity in that team are probably Robertson and Alexander-Arnold, maybe Diego Jota as well, but they are definitely going to hit a downside soon. Yeah. I, 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 I don't get the hype about Jordan Henderson. I think he's absolute toilet. I think he is. He is. Uh, yeah. He's the he's the Sunderland El Nenny. I mean, he's George, crab, Jordan Henderson. Yeah, is what would happen if you put Granite Xhaka into Liverpool's team? There'd be no difference. Yeah, well, apart from the, the the obvious red card every now and then. But I mean, he's capable of. You know, he's got a howitzer on him, just like Xhaka. Um, but uh, skill wise, he, he he's like a square peg in a round hole for Liverpool. We really, I, I just don't get the hype. Really, I mean, look at look at Liverpool last season. I'm just looking at from. Uh, from January, beginning of, of uh, 2021, they lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They lost eight out of um, eight out of 12 games when they had a few injuries. And at the moment, with COVID, they've uh, they've got um, what Van Dijk is out. I think there was a couple of others that are out. And tonight, they're playing all their kids. But it's like um, Adam says here: the first eleven is class. The minute there are injuries, catch up. They don't like it. They don't like. They don't look like a, um, that. That great. Yeah, yeah, and Avon. That's yeah. but Liverpool physically dropped off a cliff towards the end of last season before staging a recovery. Why do we think they'll be fine physically this season? I think, I think they'll the be better. I mean, they're, they're so they're so reliant on Van Dijk. They were without Van Dijk the whole season last season, and everything the season before was aimed towards winning the league, ending that thirty-year wait. They won it, and. It, I mean, we've proved so many times as well. And and Ferguson has also said, Sir Alex Ferguson has also said it, where it's harder to win, to regain the league. I mean, it's a, it's doubly as hard as winning it for the first time. So they won the league. And then uh, the next season, I mean, that hype, that, that, that mentality wasn't there. Then they lost Van Dyke. Um, then COVID hit, you know, everyone was dealing with um, this, this entire factor of not playing in front of fans. There was gaps in the season. Last season can be written off in terms of form and where people placed, I think. It was a completely unique season. This season, people are getting used to playing in uh, with, with COVID and, you know, in, in bubbles and, you know, they've played without fans as well. Um, so Liverpool are back to where they should be, but they won't be there for long. Because like everyone's mentioning, the first 11 is amazing, but you take a couple of players out and they are... I think my point, my, my point was that. You put their first 11 <laughs> against anyone at Anfield... And they'll beat them. And they won't just beat them, they'll batter them. Mm-hmm. Because I think yeah. their first 11 at home is that good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but if you're thinking about the, the away game in the season, which you worry about the most, is all, at the moment, is Liverpool for me. Mm-hmm. I always think that maybe we could sneak a point at Stamford Bridge. Maybe we could sneak a point at the Etihad. But I always think we'll get battered when we go to Anfield. Mm-hmm. It looks yeah, like we, they won't get through to the next round because Leicester are playing mm-hmm. their best players. And uh, Vardy scored, didn't he? He's the yeah, one scored two. And it's two one at the moment. The Ox scored a, a screamer. Someone in the chat was keeping us updated yeah, with it. Um, Shane asks a good question here. Hello, Shane. Uh, don't recognise you. Uh, and welcome. We should bring our, our first team for the remind, remainder of the League Cup games and seal it. Would be great for our young players and also. It would be uh, Arteta has won the, the FA Cup, the Charity Shield and the League Cup. I think if we can, I don't want us to get to the final and play someone like Chelsea or Liverpool if they did get there. Um, oh, Spurs are 1-0 up as well, but they're playing. They, who scored that goal? Oh, Bergwijn scored it. So, um, yeah, it looks like it's going to be Leicester, Chelsea and Spurs maybe getting through to the final. I'd rather lose in the semi-final than, than losing the final. So, would you Again. go all out? 
Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. we've lost, yeah, we lost 32 now. consecutive finals now, haven't we, or something? Silverware is hard to come by. So, I mean, the League Cup has had a revival of sorts. I mean, look how many times Man City have won it in a row. If they take it seriously, it ain't too good for us at all. Um, <clears throat> plus, we've, we've seen how hard it is to get back into Europe. We should 100% take this seriously. Plus, we're not in Europe this season. So, you know, it's not like, you know, we're dealing with a, a, a massively packed calendar like the other top teams are. So, yeah, 100%. Let's go for it and let's win it. Last time we won, it was 93. Uh, oh, that's, that's our Nick from, from ABW. It says, welcome to the Goonersphere podcast. Curly whirlies for everyone. We're not going to make you dance <laughs> like a... Curly a whirlies, monkey. my love. Oh, you've, you've danced yourself. Loki says, I don't count COVID, Liverpool's COVID, count Liverpool's COVID title uh, as a win. Um, I got a bit, uh, I know a lot of Liverpool fans and it, is quite funny that that kind of never counted that season, that victory, that title, because it, <laughs> they didn't get to have a parade. They didn't get to celebrate it. They just Listen. get like, you know, Jürgen Klopp with a party popper and that was it. There's <laughs> <laughs> David who was on the show last night, hit like, it's the least you can do. That was David who was doing the sexual breathing. Only after the show that I said, David, we can hear you breathing. And then he moved his mic and it was fine. But Mr. Waffles. <laughs> the way you say that is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Waffles. Mr. Waffles, who's that? Um, should we move on to something else? Why yeah, not, Danny? You're the host, my friend. I think you... Well, vaguely. It's your um, barbecue. We're talking about Jordan Henderson and Adam puts the English Flamini. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very, very good analogy, that is. It's very it unfair is. on Flamini, I would say. Yeah, poor old multi-billionaire. Although, I'll tell you what, Jordan Henderson's never done is it a left-footed volley, right-footed volley from 25 yards in at White Hart Lane. And played every every position on the way to um, a Champions League final. Which he was very good at left-back as well. Yes, certainly he was. was. Um, should we talk about a new striker? Who do we need? I've got here. Um, so, as uh, Vlahovic is- isn't coming, Haaland is not coming to Arsenal. That's the only two certainties you know. It's neither of those two are going to come anywhere near us. Like we're saying with Haaland, that his dad is uh, was played for Man City. And we've seen now that Dortmund lost again at the weekend. They've shit the bed. Their season is over. Yeah, they're they 10 points new... behind now. Yeah, they need a new goalkeeper. And they need what a new I really centre. hope he doesn't do is go to Bayern Munich. There was talk of that as well, wasn't there? Because Lewandowski has scored 500 goals in the league this season alone. And they're talking about replace because that's what Brian do. They nick all the Dortmund's players and we get them back 10 years later when they're knackered. So, um, but let's not talk about Haaland. It's just going to make us sad. We would hope that the Norway captain would put his foot down and go, oh, you, you're coming to Arsenal. But there again, I've noticed with Dortmund, when everything is Haaland, when your entire game is Haaland, if he doesn't play, you're fucked. So who do you think we're going to get or who would you like to go for? That's a really tough one, that is. I mean, the names you hear mentioned are... You carry on, I'm eating a lion bar. If you want to sponsor this. <laughs> or, or Curly Whirlies. Lion bars. Should have been a Curly Whirly. chocolate needs. Um, who is it we've been linked to? It's Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Ollie Watkins. I, I, I'm not convinced on him. I, I like Watkins, but he's more, he's more a case of he's not going to get you the goals you need. Uh, what's the guy at Madrid? Luka Jovic? I, I would I, him I, if, out of those three. I'd be I'd be more inclined to go for him. Yeah, but I don't think that'll happen either. I don't know. I, I, it's a tough one. I think Calvert Lewin will cost us a fortune. Mm-hmm. We're looking at least 60, 70 million at least. Does he give to... you a touch of the Walcotts? Um, uh, Watkins is it? Watkins at Villa. Him and Calvert Lewin. 
they've both got Theo Walcott written all over them. As much as I love Theo, That's and if you're watching, Theo. hello, but love Theo, Theo scored one goal in the last three years or something. I think um, if I was picking from the two, it would be Calvert-Lewin because he's pretty good. At, I uh, This probably won't be popular. I think we missed a trick with Tammy Abraham. I'd take him over those <laughs> two every, every day of the week. Um, yeah, Tammy Abraham's a, it's a fair shot, and we could have got him for a you know a, a decent fee. I think um, the guy you just said, Avon Ted, is he an Avon lady? Do you think maybe he sells it's, like it's Avon Teddington? It's not his real name. I know his real name. I mean, I know his Twitter account, but I'm not going to give it away. It says Jonathan David. Um, Avon Ted sounds like some sort of like ghost hunter slash detective. Avon Ted, I was just about to say Jonathan David from Leo. I mean, obviously, you know, you got the Leo connection with. Um, I don't know too much about him. Um, he's he born is in, prolific. He's born in New York, twenty-one years old. Plays for Canada, eighteen in twenty-four for Canada. Signed for Lille um, two seasons ago. Signed a five-year deal for thirty million when he come from Ghent which is in Belgium. This season, he has got 15 in 26 all competitions. Last season, crazy, he got 13 it? in 48. And Chris Lines 13 in 48. In a league, that's like, I mean, I could score 20 goals a season in league. And... <laughs> he's got 11 in 18 in league, league and 15. But if you look at the other competitions, he's got three in six in Europe, which is always a fair, fair guide. And uh, last well, season, there's for, another there's another guy in France, a Nigerian guy. I can't remember his name. Is it I Niang? Think, no, uh, Victor something. Victor Olsen. And that's him. I think he's he, 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 he in France. I don't think he is. You know, is he? Or maybe I don't no. know. I'd... But yeah, I know, I know what you mean. There's a, there's a lot of hype surrounding him. Um, I, I would I've always wanted to see Inaki Williams in the in the Premier League. Whether he fits our play as another matter entirely. How is he not he... fucking Welsh with a name like that? Inaki Williams, Williams. your bastard. <laughs> yeah, look, NN Goon has got it. Send Edu down to Brentford with 15 million and some thinly veiled threats, and tell him you better come back with Ivan Tony if he wants another holiday. I'd put fucking holiday. You've been far too polite, NN. And our Nick would says, you, "Would you take Ivan Tony over Calvert Lewin <laughs> or Ollie Watkins?" Yes, yes, I would. I would. As much I as like Watkins him. is an Arsenal fan. He's, he can't do it. The, the pressure will be too much for him. You can you can do it at Villa and Everton because uh, plus the Cavaliers always injured. Cavaliers is the only one who's really got experience of being a goal scorer in the Premier League. Mm, one good, yeah, but he's also had one good season. That's still one um, more than the other two. Josh says Belotti is available on a free. Is that Ooh. some kind of kitchen roll or is that per player? I don't know. It's a pasta sauce. I think he plays uh, for Torino, doesn't he? I believe Belotti. Oh, Loki, I'm not even going to highlight what you said there, Loki. Um, and then really? Guna wants to know any relation to Big Ted, and I'd like to uh, wonder if there's any relation to Jock's Thank You Bed, Bear. There's <laughs> oh, another thing inside. Can I just say, I was there. I can say, I, I guess my death ends it. I was there when Sim told Jock about that. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. You're and you got very, very, very angry, didn't you? I'm, I'm, I'm amazed he'd Sim didn't have a jock-shaped fist hole in his head. <laughs> I'm, I always thought it was lovely, though, Jock. No, he was doing it to take the piss because I have Canadian tendencies where I basically say thank you for everything. Everyone knows. If, if you retweet my stuff, I will always tell you thank you because I believe it is warranted. You're sharing my stuff. So I will tell you. James, you must have had about 8 million thank yous mm. from me. Am I right? It's Danny, polite. I mean, there's no dispute, isn't it? It's nothing, it's nothing wrong. It's polite. I'm not fucking Canadian, Stefan, okay? Uh, all right. Anyway, 
And he, he set this parody account up to take the mick out of the fact I say thank you all the time. And he swore black was blue that it wasn't him that was the thank you bear, fluffy bear or whatever the fuck it was. Because I remember it wasn't it after we'd, oh, what? we'd been to the Emirates. Salt Campbell. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'd been to see Saul Campbell at the Emirates. and We, we interviewed him. And it came Incidentally, out, if, if anyone reading this looked at my Twitter account and a picture, if you didn't know the two people in that picture, you would think it's Sol Campbell happy to meet me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it was the same pose every time. I look um, like anyway. a disgruntled B-list celebrity. <laughs> he, um, Sim, Simmy Javel uh, you know, uh, admitted that it was him. And he had lied to my face and said it wasn't. So I was so angry. And I'm quite liable to anger anyway. Really? Um, strange that. And uh, yeah, I wanted to put a fucking fist through him, to be honest. Oh dear. I've never um, had you down as an angry person. I'm not. I genuinely am. I don't not, actually, I, I don't think you are. You're just. I didn't not, think so. I'm, I'm not. But some of the Gunnersphere boys, um, they know me so well now. They know which buttons to press. And they think it's hilarious when this little bald dude gets angry and red. So, luckily, um, luckily for Tim, you couldn't find anything to stand on and hit him. I could have hit him in the nuts, believe <laughs> me. Uh, yeah, and uh, he needs those. Um, what else have we got to talk about? Uh, Wilshire and Ramsey. There you go. Let's let's bring oh, oh. Some, some love for Ramsey and uh, ra- love for Wilshire. Scorn for Ramsey, who's currently sitting on his ass somewhere in Turin, counting 400,000 euros a week. Bless him. He's had to hire someone to. Oh, uh, Loki says three one Leicester, lovely. Leicester, yeah. Oh, uh, as as uh, Adam made a point, uh, 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 I have a habit of putting stuff up before I read it. Adam says, "Think I prefer him wide, but wouldn't think, well, wouldn't they think about moving Martinelli up top to be able to accommodate ESR Saka?" Oh, hold on. <sighs> finishing oh, his defo improvement. Actually, before we talk about um, Wilshire and Ramsey talk about that possibility because that is something that a lot of people like we have seen that through ball from Lacazette the through ball from Erdegaard is and then Martinelli running on with that through ball going through the central defense and and getting a shot on target for for Arsenal that's something we're not used to seeing has Martinelli got a future as a striker in in the vein of the Henri kind of running Mm. everywhere and causing havoc I think he's more like Sanchez um one of my favourite players of recent years. Iwas Sanchez was absolutely fucking phenomenal. And Martinelli kind of reminds me of him. So could he play up front? Yeah, sure he could. Yeah, I think he's he's very, very brave. He puts himself in where it hurts, I've noticed, which is why he gets clattered every every two seconds. Um, I'd like to see him play a whole season without injury because... Um, he, I mean, he does have a tendency to pick up injuries, you know, hence why. You know, that's probably because he's he's brave and puts himself in where he hurts, but, you know, it doesn't help himself. Um, he's showing very good signs, but, to hit, I mean, think about it. If Oba doesn't have a future with us and Laka gets turfed out, we're hinging our whole striking future, our whole goal expectancy on Martinelli. I think that's pretty heavy. We'll definitely bring someone else in. It's just whether or not they want to rotate that position with him. And he's got a potential bear to play on the left and up front. So it might be that he's a solution ahead of Balogun or Anketia when it comes to having backup for whoever we buy. Personally, I reckon we'll see the back of Lacazette and Aubameyang in the summer. 
maybe oh. like, maybe if Aubameyang's gotten as bad as people think, then maybe he'll go in in January, assuming anyone's dumb enough to pay his wages. <laughs> uh, that's not sorry. That's not fair. He's actually been an incredibly prolific goal scorer up until the last couple of seasons. Yeah, and I reckon in a, in maybe even in Syria, ah, it'd be good. He'd, he'd probably be. He'd probably bang him in for fun there. Sai uh, says, let Martinelli play 10 games before we change him to every position available. But I think that says a lot about the player, doesn't it? That we can play him in any one of Mikel's forward four positions. And he would, they're again the same with ESR and with Saka. I mean, the last time I saw an Arsenal team where you could have so many players swap position was Henri, Perez, Lundberg. They could all play in the wing, they could all play more attacking, they could all, and in Bergkamp. He could play in goal. He was so good. But it's just magnificent to see that if you're, if you're playing Arsenal, then you're going to be looking at that team going, well, Saka could go on the right at any point. And I think there was... Um, I was listening to someone talk about a, a, a podcast where they were saying they were told... Maybe it was Leeds. They were saying the problem Leeds had is they were man-marking. And when uh, and then we kept getting Lacazette dragging players out of position and then another one of our players would then run in that empty position. It was, it was very intentional, wasn't it? You could see they'd set up to Lacazette to sort of draw one of them out of the middle. It just left so much space for the others. Hmm. Yes. Any, do you want to say anything about that, Jock, before we move on to talking about... No, uh, no I'm, I mean, I'm not doubting that Martinelli can, um, cannot play there. I'm just... You know, let's let's hold far before I put the whole burden on him. Um, Loki says the lad from Fulham looks fun. Looks fine up front in the under twenty threes. He is. He is. I mean, he's thinking. Oh, hello, Betty. Oh, we've been out without your booties on your seat. I, I hope Betty. I, <laughs> I was just going to say the same thing. What? Hello, Betty. Oh, hello, hello, Betty. I haven't <laughs> seen you in months. They're laughing at you, Betty. You'll pull their eyes out, won't you, dear? She was uh, laid on the floor next to me last night, guffing. <laughs> dirty trollop. Betty's a prostitute related to that. She is. Uh, she, she's not leaving until she gets paid. And, and that's the bottom line. Uh, let, yeah, Wilshire and Ramsey, Jock. Would you give Wilshire a, a short-term contract to the end of the season? Because Ram, Ramsey, Arteta's already said that he's one of the best trainers at the club, one of the fittest at the club, and he's leading everything there. And any thoughts on on the the Judas that is Ramsey? Um, I was always a, more of a fan of Wilshire than I was Ramsey. And myself, yeah, I'm Hamid, myself, Hamid, and Daniel had uh, many heated conversations about um, when they were both at the peak of their powers. Um, could we play, you know, a central midfield of those two, um, or maybe you know, a part of the? Could they play in the same side um, through the centre? Um, Ramsey, I wouldn't have anywhere near the club again. Not that I'm, I don't value his contribution because he played um, amazingly for us and he played a very big role for us. But the current state of the player is he hasn't played regular football now for two seasons. Um, he's, what, 31 now? Um, he's injury riddled. Um, and I think his best years are behind him. And he his, would time, his time at Arsenal's done. Yeah, you know, let's leave it be. Whereas Jack Wilshire, that there's no risk so much there he's a central midfielder that if what Arteta says is true what you said that uh, Danny that you know he's uh, one of the best trainers and still has the skill then where's the risk I mean could we do with another central midfielder who's quite skillful and can carry the ball well hell yeah especially um, in January when we lose Partey and El Nene exactly um, well I mean El, anyone, <laughs> El Nene is a, you know you're 6 out of 10 like I, like I said before um, Wilshire offers something more so I'd rather play 
um, Wilshire anyway. Uh, Party still has flattered to deceive uh, since he's signed. I've not seen much. I've always him. thought he's far too good to be this average. Um, yeah, and he, the, the good th- the, the 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 good thing is that he came out and said, you know, I'd give myself a four out of ten. So he knows he's he's not playing well. Um, which is good. It means he's, he is going to get better. So, you know, stick with him because from what everyone knows of him, he is a destroyer. He's, he's really good. But uh, Wilshire, there's no risk. P- give him a page of play and he'd be more than happy. I mean, he's happy just to be involved with the club. Um, give him a page of play and, um, you know, if he does even have a few good games, sign him on a one year and then just keep it rolling. What, what's to lose? He's not. It's his thirtieth birthday on January the first, and what better happy birthday present is a contract at the end of the season? He hasn't played any football since the end of uh, last season. But there again, that was it's a, bit a cr- it is a crying shame. You'd think cool. that someone would be willing to take a risk on him because he's still. Yeah. He was on Sophie's podcast. I don't know if you saw it. He stayed for an entire hour, maybe even more than an hour. And his every question anyone asked asked him, he um he answered. And I think that he said that um, he's, he's had offers, but he's waiting is waiting for the right um, right club because I think he's he went to Bournemouth. He went to Bournemouth under Eddie Howe, who played nice attacking football. And then when he went back to Bournemouth at the end of last season, from January until the end of the season, Jonathan Woodgate. That was in charge. Uh, then. I think he might have been. Yeah, um, they didn't. Play, they didn't make the most of him, and they're playing terrible football. And he said that. I think he said there was no point in playing, signing for a team that he can't play football in, which is which is a good thing because so many mercenary players we've seen them over the years would just go. I pay for whoever pays me the most amount of money. But the if if he if Jack's been amongst the the team doing training and helping out and that lot, and the passion he has for the, the passion that he has for the club coming in there he could lift any game remember it was like when when Henri came back to the club and immediately lifted the dressing room and everybody was like oh, I can't believe I'm playing with Henri and Saka came out in the last week or so said when he was growing a young man coming through the ranks at Arsenal he used to look at a picture of Jack Wilshere and that would give him the the um, enthusiasm he'd go oh, look at that and go, I'm, I'm up for a game I want to be just like Jack and now they'll be playing with him yeah do it I, I, I'm like, well like, like, like Jock said the the upside far exceeds the downside. Hmm. Sai asks the question. Anybody watched Yobobi recently? Poor lad getting ripped by Everton fans. To be frank, they should have known he shits the bed in the final third. He is him and Walcott. They should be up before no. the Hague for, for the crimes they've done against Everton. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's I think he's talking specifically about Walcott at Everton there, not oh, right, Yeah, else. I mean, I just, I, I, I feel so sorry for Theo. Oh, you thought I meant at Arsenal? Yeah. Oh, Arsenal, I loved him. You don't score 100 yeah. goals for Arsenal with your shit. No, Only he was, at Everton. He was, Walcott was one of those where, I don't care about the rest, he'd score you goals. He was mm. nailed on to get you 15, 20 goals a season. season, I think. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and opposition defences were scared shitless of him. Hmm. Russia only if African Cup goes ahead. AFK, AFCON games are live on Sky Sports. COVID doesn't affect those games. Last one, next confirmation. Um, maybe they're just maybe they've already just given assurances that regardless of COVID, this is going ahead. Maybe we'll still have Xhaka, Sambi, Ainsley. Yeah, but Xhaka, who look at look against Leeds, he could have quite easily been sent off for that stupid tackle because even when he went in studs up, right, regardless, he went for the ball, whatever. Afterwards. Push, he went to shove him down. He's got that liability in him, and we've seen it season after season after season. I love Jacker. He we play better when he's in the side, 
I still can't quite put a finger on why. Um, he's, a, he's he's good with party as well. They they yeah. they're a good partnership. He, he reminds exactly. me a little bit of um, B. A. Bracus in the A team. He could go mental at any moment, and you, all the other teams go, oh, st- "Don't wind him up. You're going to get different. right in the chops." Yeah. Andy Ro- Andy Robertson at Liverpool is exactly the same. The only difference is he's got much more end product. Mm. Andy Robertson is, is is the amount of times you see him do something petulant or stupid. And Harry Kane, but it's just you know, he's England captain. He's not that kind of player, Jock. Not his song. How dare you, sir? Disgraceful. <laughs> Harry um, Kane could sacrifice a chicken in the centre circle and no one bat an eyelid. Could that's do. because it's covered in spittle. Mm. Um, yeah, anybody in the chat got any questions? There's, uh, I think there's 30 of you watching. Terry. These two are not being paid by the hour. So at the moment, we've only got one question. So I shall drag this one out. It's from Loki, 73. The king of God of mischief who is slightly north of me, near Lincolnshire. He says, is Lacker's stepping up considering he is leaving? Coincided. Oh, yeah. Is, is he? He's doing Does he mean he's Go putting on. in the performances to try and get a new contract? Yeah. Eh, I would say definitely is that part of it in there. I think also, I think the captaincy's definitely made him step up. He's, he, his comments regarding the captaincy really did highlight the fact that he values... Uh, the responsibility. Um, I think, yeah, I think he's leaving all options open. So he realizes that performances will pay off if he's staying and if he's going. So, yeah, I think there's a little bit of that in there. He's doing the opposite to doing a Steve McManaman, where the last half of his final season at Liverpool, he didn't make a tackle or touch the ball <laughs> because he was going to Real Madrid. That bloke, we should be allowed to, as fans, vote for who we don't want commentating on our th- on our games because he has been an absolute C word the entire time when he's commentating on Arsenal and the opposite when he's commentating on Liverpool. He is so awful. It makes me want to strangle a kitten. That's how angry I get with it. We, oh, that's also a very entertaining conversation about the worst pundit. I will still maintain Ooh. that Chris Sutton is up there because, of, I mean, he, he says stuff for just for reaction. His tone is just... It's like nails on a blackboard bad. I'm not not the biggest fan of Jermaine Janus because he, he loves a cliche, but this is a very loose term. I wouldn't even describe him as a pundit. But Jamie O'Hara, for sheer idiocy... <laughs> oh, he's as dumb it, as a bag of spanners, isn't it's he? It's scary bad. I saw him so the other night. <laughs> he, oh. he, he sounds like Harry Kane who's fallen down the stairs and banged his head. And then he just <laughs> come round. Jesus, if he knows it, if on a game of Scrabble, he'd be stuck with anything more than three letters. He if it was anything other than plop, he'd have no end of bother. He's so bad. So bad. That's a good question. I'm trying to think of who I think is the worst. I can, you know do, I can do without Jamie Carragher. I mean, mm-hmm. I won't say that he's not very knowledgeable because he is, but just sometimes he's, mm-hmm. he's a bit... Uh, he's too... His accent. I mean, Gary Neville has toned his accent down. Gary Neville's obviously more educated. Begrudgingly, but Neville's an ex- exceptionally good pundit. Yeah, he's I like Roy, I like Roy Keane, which I never fair, thought I'd I say. I love Roy Keane. I think he's a fucking mentalist, and I love it. To be fair, yeah, Martin Keown. Keown's a bit yeah. boring. Nah, he's a bit. Yeah, he's a bit nondescript. He'll I give like. You I like. I like Lee Dixon. Mm. I love righty. Oh, obviously. Yeah, I'm not right. Michael David, David, David Taylor, my wife's Matty and right. Has he? What? My she? wife. Yeah, she's met. Uh, she, to this day, she still mentions it. Like it, she didn't even know who it was until afterwards. I'm like, you just met one of the greatest players in Arsenal's history. I think Carl. Carl she's got. She's, the worst him. thing. She's got his autograph, and she says, oh, "I don't know where it is." 
I'll oh ask God. in the group. Our Carl, I think it's his his uh, Ian Wright's mum used to babysit Carl, or Ian Wright's sister, or Ian Wright's auntie, or someone like that. He has a direct lineage to Ian Wright via babysitting. And wow. has he ever got him? I mean, Ian Wright's made it clear he's never doing any Sorry. personal podcasts. Glenn Hoddle's the worst for me. I met him. Ooh. Miserable shit. And I, and I met Daley Thompson on the same day. Both twats. <laughs> you know who's not? Who's really good? Alan yeah. McCoy. Super Alley. McCoy. <laughs> Love yeah. Super Alley. Uh, Loki's added one in. Michael Owen. Arsehole. Oh, no. That's a really I good show. To that. You can't say any better than that, can you? Well done, Loki. <laughs> Uh, oh right! Um, how much more time have you two got? We've been going. Kind of got a goal, my it's kids. Me too, um, me too, actually. Yeah. All right, we've got one final question. Um, I'll answer the rest of the questions on my own from our very own Josh. When are we talking about desserts? It's a good question. Well, I had a particularly breathtaking strudel a few weeks ago. <laughs> breathtaking strudel is um, uh, Josh. I know is partial to a. Um, a sweetened tapioca. <laughs> I do like a la mold anything. Um, I don't even know what that means. That sounds like something you need to get some kind of paint from being Danny, I, you always strike me as a pudding kind of guy as well. Like, you, you wouldn't say no to a second help in a crumble. Oh, pear oh, crumble? Well, mm, not apple. Apples are dirty. Deserve, Pe- that's peach, why they find them on the floor. Peach cobbler I like. I like peach cobbler and custard. I love. There's brownie. an LL Cool J song called "Peach Cobbler" and it's talking about women's butts. Oh, cheeky! Um, that's not what I meant. Uh, he also has a song about cobbler. Yeah, it's about cookies in the plastic bag. That's another one of his songs. Yes, pink cookies in a plastic bag getting crushed by buildings. I'm a very big LL Cool J fan. I've got Good all of his song. albums. Good reference. Mm. Nice one, Danny. I love you even more. Yes, thank you. So, do you much. want to do one more question and then we'll vacate the premises? Okie dokie. We have got, uh, we can have one about Balogun. Where's he going to go? And uh, what else? No. Oh, this one isn't a question. Josh wants to know anyone know where we can find a decent copywriter, Josh? <laughs> uh, you're such a git, Josh. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll reference to the listeners. Um, I've been trying to um, flog my wares um, as a copywriting service and the Christmas lull has meant that I haven't got any customers at the moment. So I've been trying to, been asking all the, the Bearcat Wonderland boys if they know anyone who wants any copywriting services. And I've been, I've asked more than once. So uh, Josh is, his gentle ribbing is in reference to me um, touting my copywriting services. If anyone needs, if you have a small business, <laughs> Or if you are a copywriter and you want any helpful copywriting tips, that um, um, you need a web page written, a social media strategy, come to me. Look at dbcopywriting.com. I'm there. About 3,000 people should hear this if it's an average uh, average podcast. Um, uh, Chris Jones says, not sure if you've talked about Balagon. We'll cover that in the next podcast because I really want to ask this final question. It is from NN Guna. You somehow managed to get an invite invited to the Arsenal team's secret Santa. Who do you hope draws your name and who are you terrified will draw your name? NN Guna, that is a magnificent question. Take a bow. That is a clutter right. Um, who would I want to buy me a present? I know who I don't want. Um, it would be um, Kalasnich because it will just, or Jacques would be someone's head in a box. Hmm. Jacker will be some sort of a, a, a Toblerone, perhaps. <laughs> You're so not, racist. That's not racist. It's, You're just talking about Swiss chocolate. <laughs> it's the first Swiss chocolate I, I could think of. 
<laughs> Something Swiss. Oh, here you go. Loki. A clock. Or Loki a well <laughs> Jock. Loki is uh, an architect. Copyright on drawings. Serious. No, he has sent me one of um, his he's done architectural drawings of Highbury. It was really, really detailed. Does he, mean actual, does he mean copywriting as in, you know, the little C where it, it's his and his alone? I yeah. mean, copywriting as in writing copy. Like, no, um, copywriting it so that it's his. Copy someone's writing. Oh, uh, no, that's, that's not what I do. It's copywriting with a WR, not an R, isn't it? Exactly. There yeah. you go. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I write stuff. I write words uh, for a marketing um, or a content strategy. So, uh, Couldn't you just go back to stripping? That was a lot easier. <laughs> I, w- I used to be that little midget you get handcuffed to in a stag, though. Oh, um, Answer the question. Who do you want or don't want? What most people don't realise is that Chuck isn't sat down at the moment. He stood up. <laughs> That's three times that joke's been made you wait. Three times. Um, and I didn't even want to do it the first time. I just felt obliged. It was, it was very good, to be fair. I'll give you that. Um, um, sorry, let me no. finish the question. Uh, yeah, go on. Jacques, like Danny said, Xhaka or Kalasinat? I probably wouldn't want. No, Alex Runison, I would want would buy me a present. It get it get dropped about twenty times before I got it. Um, uh, Aaron Ramsdale to buy me one. Yeah, why? It just get you Eccles cakes. I like sign one cakes. of them. A signed Eccles cakes to go down. And a pie. Again, I see no. Or some, or some, uh, some. What's those black sausages called? Made of blood. Black pudding. There you go. We get you a pork pie. A black pudding and some Eccles cake. Sounds good. <laughs> I would go with um, Tierney because uh, he could buy me something that we both uh, would appreciate. What? <laughs> You're used to me, Jock. I get that a lot, to be fair. Um, How does it I make just, you feel I'm, to have a regular first team or one of our best players been a fellow Scotsman? It's, uh, it's, it's you can nice. practically taste the iron brew. But unfortunately, he comes from the wrong side of um, Glasgow. I'm not a Glaswegian, but uh, as a Scotsman, uh, uh, unless you're, if you're not from Edinburgh or Glasgow, you normally have um, a blue or a green allegiance, and my allegiance is blue. Uh, so he's a he's a boy. Funnily enough, so, if I was picking in Scotland, mine would be blue as well. I just I always preferred Rangers I, I, somehow. I've got an aver- I've got a complete. You're, you're, an aversion, complete aversion to anything green. Um, and it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, you're the just <laughs> That's why yeah. you won't watch anything Marvel <laughs> in case that green bastard pops up. Jocks. Um, I would like Per Mertesacker to buy me a Christmas present because I just think he'd be really fucking good at buying presents. Oh, yeah. He'd um, put some thought into it, wouldn't he? He really would, you know. And I think I wouldn't want something from Arteta because it involved hair products and I've got no fucking hair. So, no, it's Katie it's really might give you a haggis. I haven't Probably had a haggis would. for two years now. Was it in my stag do the last time you had haggis? Ah, I think it might have been, yeah. I mean, my wife refuses to cook it because it spits. That sounds... Just well, I think so those haggis is left to roam free in the Highlands because I've seen it's one. True. It was on uh, that thing that uh, one of the, the children's TV programmes had one, of, of, uh, a cartoon of one running around being That's free. Right. Was it Was it Super Grand or was it the family... <laughs> Super Grand was a Scottish cartoon. I think uh, it might be fam- Super Grand. Billy Connolly. Family Ness. Do you remember the Family Ness? Oh, yeah. One of those was commentated by Billy Connolly, wasn't it? Incidentally, Billy, Billy Connolly's in the film Brave, which my little boy really liked. I have got every Billy Connolly film there is and all of his TV appearances, and I've got them all and organised by date because that's how much I love that man. His stand-ups are gold, pure gold. Yeah, and I've got all those and I've converted them all to MP3. All these stand-up videos. Um, 
Right, there you go, people. That's been a very nice podcast. I think, Daniel, you should... Uh, why don't I say Daniel? It's Dan. I fucking hate it when people call me Daniel. Uh, Jock, first of all, you need yeah, to apologise to everybody for withholding your podcasting talents to the world for so long because you have been magnificent. Can I make a suggestion? I yes. think we should try and get all five of us onto a podcast, me, Jock, Sim, Mike and Daniel. Oh, yeah, God. and then it'll just be you five, no one else. Now I can I can run it in the background, and you five can all talk. That would be, be... I, I, I'm well up for that. No, because it just end up being a jock, uh, like jock ribbing a thorn. True, you but know, again, I'm well angry. up for that. I've not heard you get angry. I might listen to one of your old podcasts because you used to get so fucking angry, you bastards. Back to you in studio. Forgot about that. Oh my god. Some of the stuff you used to do, like that Batman thing that you did, and the film things that you'd spend hours doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, magnificent. Um, yeah, so if you want to do that, I've got the Gunasphere logo ready, and I will. I would. I've already spoke to the side, other. and you five can be there talking on your own. That would be a thing of absolute beauty. But don't don't invite Devon because me and him had a falling out. He's not really part of the team anymore. Good fucking no, he's been he's been cut out. But, but but mainly through. Only, I mean, he chose it. I mean, we yeah. didn't say "see you, Devon." He just all of a sudden, we had an exchange of DMs and then unfollowed each other. Mm. Was oh, it me? Yeah. It was like shitty haircuts he's got. But he won't listen to this, um, hey, Mike, right? So, yeah. I, I got my eyeball. I always liked him. I thought he was a good dude. But... I used to love him. That's why I followed him. I thought he's brilliant. But uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, Jock, are you going to come back again? Or is it going to be another? Uh, well, this is your debut. So, you're going to wait another nine years before you come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will speak to the others and we'll see if we can do something where we get all five of us on because I think that'd be brilliant. It would do. So, also, thank you, James. You have been decidedly average. As always, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. And thank you, Sophie and Harry, in your absence, my um, my Greek brother and sister. Power to the Greeks. We used to own this world. And the fucking Romans. What do they ever do for us? Some car boats. Irrigation. <laughs> yes. Are you the Judean people's front? Fuck off. Half a denarii. That's not the Messiah. He's a very oh, no naughty boy. Nice, nice one, Centurion. <laughs> you only owned me the right way up yesterday. Crucifixion? Uh, no, freedom. Oh, good. Off you go then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we better stop. This could go on for hours. Right. Thank you very much, everybody, and everybody in the chat. You have all been, uh, in the words of Mr. James Ralph Stokes, you've been beautiful bastards. Yeah, my lovers are. I love oh. you very much. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog.